the name of the Lord. Good morning, Palace family. So good to be with you here today, here on live stream. I count it an honor and privilege to be able to have this opportunity to bring forth the word of the Lord to you this morning. You know, I've always wondered what it would be like if I was preaching and the message was so bad that everybody got up and walked out of here. You know, <laughs> Well, standing in this empty building has given me a sense of what that would be like. But also I'm pondered on, what would I do? And I came to the conclusion, I'd finish the message. I put too much into it, too much time invested in it. I also concluded, everybody is not gone until I leave. So I would just simply preach to myself till I couldn't take it no more either, and then I'd go home. You know, just a little humor to try to break the ice this morning. And uh, today I'm going to be preaching by faith, truly. Faith that these cameras are really on. They aren't just tricking me. Faith that someone is really out there listening this morning. Matter of fact, if you are, just hit that little button down there, whatever it is you hit, to let us know that you're with us this morning. And I'm just going to try to do my best and preach like the church is full today. Because that is how I see it to be very soon. I can already see it, this place full of people and full of God's glory. If you see it this morning, let me hear somebody say amen this morning. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, I'm going to get right into my message. In the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 41 through 47 is where I'll be today. I'm going to step by step walk through these passages of Scripture. This morning, I want to begin to proclaim, though, a few things before I actually get into the Lord's message for today. We are currently living in unprecedented times with a world full of uncertainty. 
But in the midst of it all, the one thing that is certain that never changes is the Word of God. I believe we're living in a very important hour of time that has been appointed by God for the faithful, anointed men and women of God to stand up and declare the Word of the Lord. Because the Word is truth. And heaven knows we need truth in this hour of deception. The world is in chaos, and the true condition of the church is truly being exposed. May I remind us, God's people are the church. We learned a lot in these last few weeks about our lives and how reflected they are of the condition of the church. And believe we have so much more to learn in the weeks to come. I feel that God in this hour has stripped the church, and in its nakedness, we are learning that without Him, we are wretched and miserable and poor and blind when we thought we were rich and in need of nothing. He prophesied this condition of the last day church to be like that of the Laodicean church in the book of Revelations in chapter 3, verse 17. Deeming the condition of the church in the last days as neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm. Commanding them to be zealous and repent to overcome their slothfulness and their complacency. It speaks directly of the condition of the church has found itself in these days of uncertainty. And it's still the answer for the church to overcome the days of evil that are upon us. We must become zealous. The church must come alive and awaken up out of its sleep and repent of our blindness to the things of God. For it is God who giveth wealth to establish his kingdom, but many have spent it to establish man's prideful kingdom, enticed by the spirits of this age. But this isn't God's first rodeo with his church. There's always been a pattern of this for God's people. Throughout the history, God would bless his people, and in their prosperity, they would build other gods and forsake him. He wrote the commandment in stone, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. There has not been a repeal of that commandment, nor will there ever be. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Maybe we haven't built a nine-foot bronze statue of animals to worship as in the days of old, but we have indeed worshiped the works of man's hands. And we've allowed money and fame and Hollywood stars and materialism too often become our gods. And prosperity has carried us too far to where it's become an Achilles heel for the church to the point that God says out of his jealousy, enough is enough. I've got to get my church ready because I'm fixing to put the sickle to the field and harvest my church and bring it out once again out of its darkness into my marvelous light. But first I must forewarn her of my coming because I love her too much to see her perish for she will be my bride. All in one day, this all will end in one day, in one hour that no man knoweth, only God himself. In the twinkling of an eye, I'm telling you, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take place. And we must be ready, church, because the Lord is coming after his bride, the church, a church without spot or blemish. Hallelujah this morning. We must be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. In all of this today that we're facing and enduring, God is using this opportunity to prepare the church to be called away. Therefore, we cannot miss the importance of this hour. We must be patient and let patient do its perfect work. And what we do with this time of isolation and separation, this time of rest from the hustle and the bustle of this world, is going to be so important to the future of the church, of our families, of our children, yes, even our children's children. God is separating the wheat from the chaff, the genuine from the counterfeit. He's setting up the church to be the instrument that God uses in these last days to be a light in a dark world. When we reassemble, it's not going to be church as usual. It's no longer going to be secondary to the things of this world for the future of the church. There must be a renewed passion for it. It must become a priority to have faith in God and have no other gods before him. Many have found their faith wasn't as strong as they thought. Some have recognized they weren't as committed as they thought. They admit they were blinded by the cares of this world. We cannot miss the purpose of this hour because what the enemy intended for evil, God's going to turn it into our good. This is not going to be a bad thing for the church. It's going to be a reset, a refocusing of what really matters in our lives. See, many of us are realizing we had not only been negligent in our relationship with God, but in any cases, we have even been negligent with our loved ones. And Christ has had to stand in the temple before and bring correction to it because he loved it. By declaring, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then he drove everything out of it that the world had placed in it. They wanted the church to reflect the world, and God wants it to reflect him, holy and righteous, vibrant and alive. Hallelujah. And I proclaim that when we put God first back in our house, he will once again be first in the church house. And if you agree this 
presence this morning with me, just say amen right where you're at. Now, finally, to my message this morning, back in January of this year, the Lord really began to deal with about the moving of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and about the work of the Holy Spirit, with it increasing and intensifying in the life of the believer, in the life of the church, and in the activities of the nations of the earth. I shared with you that he put into my heart this was going to be a year of victory for the church. How the 2019 had been such a struggle for so many. In the first couple of months of 2020, a significant moving of the Spirit had begun to take place in our midst. God was manifesting his Spirit. Our pastor spoke a word to us that would describe God's activity as overflow. God was pouring out his Spirit. Things were moving and things were shaking. And then bam! The brakes went on, not by choice, but by default, by evil resistance, spiritual warfare arose. And so quickly it appears everything is shut down. Jobs and plans, the economy, and even the church. We've ended up quarantined and even distanced from each other socially. It appears to me this is not much of a victory. Oh, but hold on, because greater the battle, greater the victory. This is just a prelude of what's on the other side of the storm, and it's always darkest before the light. Don't forget, darkness was upon the earth before God said, let there be light. And darkness was on the earth before the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So don't be surprised before victory comes, darkness doesn't come first. And today, in the midst of this darkness, I want to try to bring some light to God. God's plan in the midst of this all and declare to you the light is going to shine again and victory is going to rise again and what is really important right now in this hour is your perspective of the things that are going on around you you know there's so many different perspectives right now at the forefront fear is leading the cause of negative perspectives the reason for having the right perspective and the right enlightenment right now is because you could miss what's really going on right now. The purpose of all of this, that's what the enemy wants us to do is miss this. That's what the enemy would admit for bad. God's wanting to turn to our good. Do you realize that no weapon formed against us shall prosper because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And remember that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So many right now can't see the forest for the trees. And God is using this time of isolation to visit his people. I declare to you this is an hour of spiritual visitation. Although it seems nothing is moving, I want you to know that the Spirit of God is moving amongst us. God is using this moment when your life is quieted down, while your business is slowed down, to make a way for an hour a day of His visitation. It's not a time for you to go to visit. It's a time for God to visit you. It's not a time for you to go visit the church. It's for time for God to visit your home, for Him to come by your house and make a personal visit with you. For you to distance yourself from everyone and the things of this world and take a moment to visit with God. And God is wanting to visit the hearts of men and women and children at this hour. A personal visitation. He's just waiting on your invitation. If you're not careful, you can miss this hour and the importance of it. This is a move. And it's not organized by man, but it's ordained by the Spirit of God. And God's going to take this opportunity to visit you. You remember what he told Zacchaeus? Today I must stay at your house. And my assignment today is to let you know that God's plan at this hour is to visit you at your house. See, many have already had a visitation of his spirit. And God's doing a work in the hearts of men and women and children. People are already testifying that he's done touch them. I'm telling you, in these unprecedented times, there is an unprecedented move of his spirit longing to take place in our lives. See, we've always put the responsibility of revival erupting upon the church house or the guest speakers. But God says, not this time. I want it to start in your house. I want it to start in you. And I want you to bring it with you to the church house. I'm telling you, he's showing up in front rooms and bedrooms and hospital rooms. People that have been on life support are testifying about angels showing up in their rooms and about them hearing God's voice speak to them. And then two days later, they're leaving the 
hospitals, going home and healed by the power of God. And they're sharing their stories, even on national TV. The Holy Ghost is breaking out in lobbies at Sam's Clubs and in front of hospitals and service stations. And people are testifying that they're sitting at home watching a church service and they felt a warm feeling in their bodies and were immediately healed of their affliction. I've come to tell you that during this hour of visitation, God's going to show you some things about you and about him that you have misunderstood and mistaken for way too long. And this mighty move of God is going to begin in your heart, not in the church. It's when you experience God in your heart is when it's going to begin to be experienced in the church house. See, it was after the disciples experienced the day of Pentecost. The New Testament church was birthed. 3,000 people were added to the church in just one day. It didn't start in the church house. It started in the upper room in somebody's house. And when they're all in one mind and accord in isolation, socially distanced from the world, come on, somebody help me preach, then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Somebody right now ought to declare, Lord, please fill my house today right where I'm sitting. Because what happens in your house, in your heart, is what's going to cause you to want to go to church. Just like Jesus was driven by the Spirit, you'll be driven by the Spirit. And when you return to church, there's going to be a new freshness in the church, and people are going to be hungry for church. You might have walked out of them doors a few weeks back, a church attender, but I'm here to tell you, you're going to walk back in them doors as a worshiper. And when you walk back in these doors, your overflow is going to bring about the manifestation of God's Spirit like never before, and out of your bellies is going to flow rivers of living waters. And the doors of the church are going to open up and house the very presence of God. And our sons and our daughters are going to come from afar. And we're all going to have all things in common. And this is going to be the greatest victory of the church we've ever seen in this generation if we don't miss the hour of the visitation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, well, God, isn't God always moving? Absolutely. Yes, he's always moving. He's always doing great things. And if you've been paying any attention, you'll recognize that prophetically, many of those that are hearing the Spirit of God in this hour are placing an emphasis on the work, the person, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's something supernatural that's happening in the earth. And those of his ears to hear are to be on the front lines of it as we move into these unprecedented times. You know, we keep using the phrase, unprecedented times. Rightfully so, because they are. But to be honest with you, as far as I go, I'm glad they are unprecedented. Because I'm sick of the same old, same old, church as usual, the predictable, the stuck in the rut, religious activities. I believe these unprecedented times in this world are going to lead to our God countering them with an unprecedented move of his spirit. And God's going to do things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have they entered into the hearts of men the things that God has planned for those that he loves. God's going to do a new thing. I tell you, church, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. Now, I want to alert you, and I want to share with you Luke 19, verses 1, 41 through 47. There's something specific here that the Lord wants me to share with you in hopes of connecting you to this move. This, pas- this is a passage which many preach on during Easter week. So to use it today is going to be quite different approach to it. What is taking place here is Jesus is fixing to make his triumphal entry to the city of Jerusalem for the Passover celebration that week. He had sent his disciples to ask for a certain donkey, and upon receiving, they placed Jesus upon it. And as he began to descend down the hill of Mount Olive, many began to throw pieces of their clothing before him, and many began to rejoice and praise God for his mighty acts. But here's what's interesting. With all this celebration taking place, Luke 19.41 says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. This is Jesus that the scripture is speaking of. Jesus is drawing near to the city of Jerusalem in the final week of his life in ministry on earth. 
This is the week just preceding his passion, his death, his burial, and resurrection. And he chooses to visit the city of Jerusalem. Luke 19, 41 and 42 goes on to say, Now as he drew near the city, near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known. Here is Jesus is speaking to the people of the holy city of Jerusalem in which he loved. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. From this scripture is where I have received my assignment. That's why I began by telling you how important it is for you to know the importance of the hour of your day. And how important it is for you to realize and come to the knowledge of what really brings you peace in this hour. It's not silver nor gold, nor the things of this world. Peace, real peace, cometh down from the Father above, the Prince of Peace. And in this hour of having, the, of thing, having things stripped from you, placing you in a quiet place, hopefully you'll find peace again. That if you'll only realize the importance of God's plan in this hour, a day of his visitation. When he is declaring to you, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I will come in and I will sup with him. And if you will open up the door of your heart today, he declares, I will come in and I will visit with you. And this peace I leave with you. Now let me continue in verse 43 and 44. He's prophesying to the city of Jerusalem. He's saying, he's saying because you didn't know in your day, the things that make for your peace, because you rejected me, your peace, and because you missed the hour of my visitation, he declares in verse 42, now they are hidden from your eyes. He's saying, in this hour of this visitation, if you miss it, you will remain blinded to the things of God, to finding peace in the midst of these perilous times. And why is it so important to have his peace? Because he prophesies here. Here's what's going to happen in verse 43. He says, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you. They'll surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And when they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Lord, help me preach right here. Go ahead and turn up your TV and your computer because you got to hear loud and clear right here what the Lord is saying. If you don't get this word and you miss this time of visitation, your enemies are going to destroy you and your children because you will be blinded by the things of this world. If you miss this time of visitation, it will have consequences to your family and its future. Right now, I bind that spirit of fear that can stifle, can even paralyze you and deafen you unto this word. I want you to get this because the prophetic utterance that Jesus is releasing over the city of Jerusalem and the things that he's prophesying over it which are going to be fulfilled 70 years after his crucifixion and resurrection are going to happen to be a consequence. Due to their missing their time of visitation, they're not knowing the time of the visitation of the Lord, which is a season of God drawing near to people and filling their hearts with peace and faith to endure. And in this time, literally, the Messiah had been in the midst of many and they missed it. They failed to recognize God was wanting to visit with them. The move of the Spirit, the thing that they've been longing and looking for was, was manifesting right there amongst them, and they were missing it. Had they known the time of their visitation, these times would have been so different for them. But no, they were caught up in rituals and religion and traditions and busyness and buying and selling to the point they rejected his visitation, never saw him as the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, even though he was there in their presence. That's why he wept, knowing he came for them, and still yet was even willing to die for them. So hear me now loud and clear. I declare to you, this is an hour of God's visitation to the church, not this building. 
The church is God's people. It's not this building. For the Spirit of God dwells in the hearts of His people. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss this hour of visitation upon the earth. I'm sounding an alarm. I'm acting as a watchman on the towers declaring, the king is coming. The king is coming. Now notice once more. Here Jesus comes to the city, and he weeps over it, and he says, if you'd had known, even you, especially in this, your day. Now this word day in the Greek means the time or the space between dawn and dark. So he's literally giving insight into a specific period of time. A period of time where the Holy Spirit is up to something significant. And it's to be known. And it's to be received. And it's to be understood by those that he's moving towards and moving upon. I want to stop right here. I'm going to obey the Spirit of the Lord for just a moment. I want to say to some man and woman that's listening right now. Right now, the Spirit of God is moving upon your life right now. And I want you to surrender, and I want you to receive what God has from his visitation for your life today. And I also want to speak to a young man right now who's feeling this today, too. Parents, pay attention to him. And I want to speak to that man, woman right now. Ma'am, that thing that you're feeling right now is the Holy Spirit. It's moving upon your life. It's trying to come into your life. If you'll just open up your door right now and allow the visitation of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to bring you peace. And that perfect love is going to cast out all of your fears this day. I say these things in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's proceed. He says, if you'd have known, even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace... The things you're consumed with will never bring you peace. When you read the word visitation in this scripture, you've got to get out of the English mindset of what a visitation is. Because when we hear visit, we think of someone who's coming, staying a while, and then leaving. So we have this idea when we hear the word visitation of God. It's of a God who comes around or comes by and then he departs us. Well, the fact of the matter is, with God, he's always present. He's omnipresent. So a visitation in God is not God coming by and then leaving. No, he's always with us. He promised us in Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Now, let's do a little word search right quick here. The word visitation is the Greek word episcope, from which we get the English word episcopal. It is the Greek word that is translated as bishop in English. And the word bishop means overseer, superintendent, or inspector. So actually then, a time of visitation in the Holy Spirit is really a time of inspection by the Holy Spirit. It's a time when the Spirit of God comes to move in a life, to move in a ministry, to move in a church, to move in a city, to move in a region, to move in a nation. This is a mode of operation in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is always present, but there are times when he comes and he begins to inspect. He begins to draw near to people, near to a place, near to a nation, to a city for the purpose of fulfillment. When we hear the word inspection, it makes us nervous because in our mind, inspection is a time of exposure. But the Spirit of the Lord said to me, when I come to inspect, I don't come to inspect for the purpose of exposing. I do it for the purpose of seeing what you have need of. If you need a Savior, I'll save you. If you need strength, I'll strengthen you. If you need healing, I'll heal you. If you need food, I'll feed you. If you need forgiving, I'll forgive you. Because remember, I am. I am whatever you have need of. When you're going through your trials and your troubles, I come to visit with you to see what you have need of. See, a visitation to God is not God drawing near and inspecting you to expose you, but it's so he can help you. It's God drawing near so he can supply you. He promised he shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God is concerned about his people in this hour of our crisis. Notice what Jesus said. If you had known, even you, especially in this, your day, 
the things that make for your peace. Jesus says, if you had known, which conveys to us that a time of visitation is also a time of discovery. It's a time of revelation when the Holy Spirit begins to give insight and reveal things to you and about you, enlightening you of his plans and giving you wisdom and discernment, directing your paths and empowering you to succeed. And it's in these times that bring you that peace that surpasses all understanding because now you know the purpose of this hour. Look at verse 42, 42 just one more time. If you had known, even you, and especially in this hour, your day, I prophetically declare to you today, this is your day. And if you're watching this, the Spirit of God is telling me to tell you, your day has not passed yet. Your opportunity has not passed yet. The sun has not gone down on the purpose and the destiny God has for you. You, heal, you still have time in this hour to someone listening today, I say to you the promise of God for you that you may have thought you sinned away or procrastinated away. The Holy Spirit is saying to you, it's your day. And God is saying in this hour of visitation, there are some things you're going to discover about you during this time of inspection and this time of reflection. God says there are some things I'm going to show you about me and about you, so I want you to be very attentive to me in this hour. Because in the days to come, whether you're in your front room or your bedroom or your closet or driving in your car, in this quiet time, I'm going to use it to speak to you if you allow me to visit with you. So be still and know that I am God, and in your stillness, you will hear my still, small voice. It won't be in the thunder. It won't be in the lightning, not in all of this noise. No, it will be when me and you sit together in heavenly places, and I whisper to you my love and my plans for you. The Spirit of God says, this is a time of revelations, a time of discovery, but not just about anything, but about the things that make for your peace. Those things in your relationships, in your marriage, your financial life, your spiritual life, there are things connected to peace in these areas of your life. And in the time of God's visitation, his Spirit will reveal them to you in an effort to bring you peace in all things. In a time of visitation, God's Spirit is at work to show you what's hindering you from having His peace in the things of your life. God wants to show you the missing pieces, the things that are lacking in your life, the place that is broken in your life. Maybe it's in your spirit. Maybe it's in your heart. Jesus declared, I have come to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. In a time of visitation, the Spirit of God will begin to reveal those things to you. Now hear me. We're not to be afraid. We're not to be fearful because God is not pointing these things out to condemn us, to demean us, nor to diminish us. He's pointing them out to help you be a better you and to prepare you for the season that's upon you right now to supply you with what you have need of in your life to overcome this world and to find peace in Him. It's a time to become excited and begin to praise and worship and thank Him for the things He's showing us in this special hour. And in this season, the things that you and I need to know about Him and about us. And if we'll pay attention and correct those things He's pointing out to us, we're going to find ourselves moving in a new dimension of shalom, peace, a dimension of peace we've never known yet. For in the days that lie ahead, we're going to need His peace to endure. This is not an end of the world, but it's the beginning of the end, as Jesus made it very clear in Matthew 24. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet, you see. See that you're not troubled. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Take solace in the fact that he's bringing us peace in the midst of whatever may come our way. And there are some of you that you've had such a heaviness, such a darkness, such a weight on you for so long now. 
You have forgotten what it's like to live in peace. You've forgotten what it's like to have your need met. You've forgotten what it's like to wake up in the morning and have no fear, to have no anxiety. But I declare to you this day, you're going to be coming to days where you're going to wake up unto peace with no more fear, no more anxiety. I claim this in the name of Jesus Christ over your life. Hallelujah. If you'll visit with God in this hour and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you in this time of visitation, I say to everyone, prepare and position yourself in this time of visitation to be able and ready to receive. I continue to emphasize this because this entire passage and verses deal with the consequences of missing a visitation of God. It grieves the heart of God when we don't have time for him. This is so important when Jesus said, if you had known. He's sharing with them that had they known, they would have responded so differently. And so he is with us still today saying, if you had known this is the hour, if you would have known what this hour is all about, you would be responding differently. To this hour, not in fear, but in faith, having concern over the matters that surround you, but having peace in the results. We wouldn't be squandering this time complaining and refraining from the presence of God. We would be falling on our knees daily saying, here I am, Lord, and inspect me, supply me, reveal yourself to me, O Lord. The spirit of this age is driving our flesh. And it's a restless spirit. And I bind it in the name of Jesus Christ today. This is one of the responsibilities of the prophetic voice. To let the people of God know the importance of this hour. So they can respond correctly to God's purpose. Hear what Jesus is saying. If you had known. If you hadn't missed it. You would have responded differently. And your future would have been different. As a matter of fact, in this passage... Jesus clearly points out, had you responded quickly to the hour, there is destruction coming that would have been interrupted. Had you responded to his visitation properly, there are things that would have been prevented in your future. The enemy's assignments would have been canceled out over your life by the power of your faith. And I'm telling you, a time of visitation is necessary for you to avoid future disruptions and destruction in your life. In a time of visitation, there are things established now that will affect your life for years to come. And there are things, says the Spirit of God, there are things that I will show you, that I will speak to you, that I reveal to you in these next few days and weeks that will affect your destiny, that will affect your family, that will affect your children, that will affect your income, that will affect your ministry. In this hour, I will share things, says the Lord. I will reveal things, says the Spirit. And I will decree things, and I will let you in on things that will cause you to move forward in the next two to three years. I'm talking about quantum leaps. He says, I will give you insight into things that will produce, that will generate, and that will cause favor and blessing to be released in your life. Upon you and upon your children and your children's children, thus saith the Lord. Don't miss this day says the Spirit of the Lord. Let's go back to verse 45 quickly. After weeping over the city of Jerusalem, and after the prophetic declaration, and after the revelation about a time of visitation, and the consequences of missing it, notice what happens. It says, Then he went into the temple, and he began to drive out those that bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. This is Luke's account. Luke says, then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold. However, in Mark's account of this same story, we see what happened from a different perspective. In Mark 11, verse 11, the scripture tells us, and Jesus went to Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, 
as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And then the next day, he comes back to the temple. Now, why is this so important? This lets us know that Jesus had gone into the temple prior to the overturning the tables and looked around at things, declaring when he first visited the temple, get this, he simply inspected it. Follow me. In Luke's account, Luke just wrote of Jesus going to the temple and wrecking stuff and turning it over. But in Mark's account, he lets us know that between the time that Jesus declared this over the city of Jerusalem, he went into the temple, he looked around, and that day he didn't do anything. He left, he went back to Bethany, and then the next day coming back was the day that he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold. As a matter of fact, let me go to Mark 11, because it's important for you to see this in the Word. Verse 12 through 15. Now the next day, it says, when they'd come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Luke tells us Jesus goes right in and starts turning stuff over. But Mark tells us that he'd gone the day before. This is not a contradiction. Luke just didn't include it. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to understand. That prior to Jesus going in and turning things over, he had gone in and looked around. Now, why is that so important? Because once again, it shows during his first visitation, he was simply inspecting. God always gives us space. He will come in. He will look. He will not judge, move upon a sudden judgment upon us, but he'll give us space to repent, to change our minds, to change our activity, to change our behavior, to change what we're doing. A visitation is an opportunity to make some changes, to make some adjustments. Watch this. Overnight, Jesus receives instruction, following the inspection as what was to be done. And therefore, this cleansing of the temple is a product of the information Jesus received during the visitation. And the Lord told me to tell you to expect it during this time of visitation. Expect to get information. Expect to get instruction. Just as Jesus did knowing it was an hour of visitation, knowing it was an hour of inspection. He first went into Jerusalem and he went into the temple inspecting things. This is what the Spirit of God is doing in this hour, right now, with your temple. He's inspecting it. In this hour of visitation, haven't you ever heard of a factory being shut down for inspection? In this hour, while we are shut down, God is inspecting our temples. He's going in and he's looking, not for the purpose of exposure, but for the purpose of adjustment and for the purpose of supply. See, in Jerusalem's case, they wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't receive the Messiah. But I'm believing better things of us during this hour of visitation. I believe you're going to hear. I believe you're going to respond. And you're going to let the Spirit of God speak to you and let Him make the adjustments that need to be made in your life. I encourage you to tell the Lord, I will allow you to make the adjustments. I will allow you to make the corrections needed in my life, Lord. And I pray, Lord, create in me a clean heart with clean hands. As I close, this is what I want you to see today. When he goes into the temple and he begins to cleanse, he begins to overturn. This is a response to the information he received during that visitation. Jesus goes into Jerusalem. He looks at it. He goes back to Bethany. And obviously, overnight, as he communes with the Spirit of God about what it was he saw, the Father tells him, when you go back in tomorrow, wreck it, turn it over. What he did in that temple that next day is a result of what he saw and what he heard. And here's a word of the Lord for you. This season of visitation that is at hand is going to cause a complete shift 
in the atmosphere around you, in your temple. I'm talking about you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19, it affirms that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. The visitation is going to be about bringing healing and deliverance, supplying your need. The visitation is going to be about restoration in the mind, in the spirit, and in the will. And the visitation is going to bring correction. The visitation of the temple caused a complete shift in the atmosphere. It cleansed the temple. It restored holiness and righteousness back to the temple. It removed some things, and it restored some things. It brought about necessary change. It brought the temple back unto God's purpose plan, back to God's will for the temple. And that is exactly what God is wanting to do in your temple. He wants to cleanse it. He wants to remove some things. He wants to restore some things in your life. Bring it back to God's will for your life. Creating such a hunger for holiness and righteousness and God's will for your temple and the intended purpose for your life. You see in the natural eye, the actions of Jesus were violent. They seemed abrupt, even sacrilegious. But these were spirit-led instructions. And they were radical shifts that reset the atmosphere of the temple, brought back restoration, put it back to God's will for it. And here's what the Spirit of the Lord told me to tell you. Church, get ready for some radical shifts. Get ready for some interventions in your lives. Get ready for God to do some things overnight that you or I couldn't have done in six months. Be ready for some radical shifts in the atmosphere. There are some things that must be overturned and changed and, every, and even removed in your life. There are some things that may have to be thrown out and some other things that may have to be quickly put in your life. These are radical shifts that need to be made. And God is going to do them, church, quickly. They're not intended to destroy you. But they're intended to empower you, to get you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And church, it's coming soon. They are intended to transform you. And they're intended to restore you. And when you change, the church will change. And when you, ball, when you walk back into the temple building, the atmosphere in here is going to change. Because you allowed God to visit you and to inspect you. And you are willing to allow God to make the necessary changes in your life, not by power, not by might, but by His Spirit. And it's going to be a radical change that's going to produce radical worship and praise. Producing the evidence needed in your life to be a witness of a life-changing power of God that will give you peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father, sweeping over my spirit forever, I pray, with phantomous bills of love. Church, I declare it again. Something's moving. Something's changing. Don't miss this hour of this visitation. I want you to experience the opportunity that you have before you. I felt it was so important to make you aware of this hour and God's desire to visit you right where you're at. At your house, God is saying, today, I must stay at your house. We're so close to the second coming of Christ and God is visiting us to inspect us to prepare us. Because church's next visitation won't be one of inspection. It will be one of judgment. And I, won't, and I don't want you to have a had I known moment. Through God, prophetic today, I'm making you aware of the hour that is at hand in your life. I encourage you to find that place 
in this time of isolation and invite him into your heart and receive what you have need of from him, from his visitation. Right where you're at today, I'd like to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. I want you to hear him calling you. I want you to hear him saying, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And I want you to consider letting him in and letting him restore you. Letting him visit with you. Let him inspect you and supply you with the things that will bring you peace. And maybe you're listening today and you're looking and you've been searching for answers. Today I've given you the best answer you'll ever get. I'm telling you that Jesus loves you. I'm telling you he died for you. So that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So that you might have peace. And I'm telling you he's coming back soon. This time not to visit but to stay with us for eternity. And that could include you if you're willing to accept him today. He's visiting you as well. Church, this is the beginning of the end. And we are closer than we have ever been. Scripture has prophesied and told us famine and pestilence and rumors of war these things must come to pass, that in the last days there will be perilous times, that our nations will be in distress, that these last days, when these perilous times are going to come, things are going to begin to intensify in propensity. But I've come to declare to the church of the living God, that we're fixing to have the greatest comeback in the history of the church filled with victory in Jesus. In a way of closing today, I'm going to ask the worship team to come and sing a worship song. And I want you to take advantage. Don't leave us just yet. I want you to take advantage of this time of worship. And I want you to bow your head Fall on your knees or go prostrate before me or whatever. Lift your hands. But I want to take you to take this moment and allow the Holy Spirit to visit you in the presence of your worship. God bless you. I love you.